welcome to talc teaching and learning consultation skills this is the talc talks podcast helping everyone who sees patients to improve their consultation skills to get better outcomes and this approach can even increase your job satisfaction This podcast is brought to you with the support of Health Education England Northwest and their talented GP educators, two of whom are with me today. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Julian. Hi, I'm Julian Tompkinson. I'm a primary care medical educator in Manchester and a GP and GP trainer in Bolton. Thank you. And Anne? Hi, I'm Anne Thomas. I'm a GP in Manchester and a primary care medical educator also in Manchester. Thank you. Today's podcast concerns the module called Talc Skills for Effective Information Gathering, and it refers to the specific chapter called Can Reading Between the Lines Make for a More Accurate Diagnosis? Listening carefully to what patients say will always give us helpful information to assess the clinical situation. Sometimes, though, clinicians need to attend to something a bit more subtle, the hints that a patient may give that there's something they want to communicate but which has not been fully expressed. These are often called cues in the literature. Today we're going to explore a bit more about what cues and clues are all about and discuss how educators can help clinicians to develop their skills in acting appropriately when they get cues. And can you explain a bit more about what a cue actually is and maybe give us some examples? Cues are things that patients only half say, so maybe things that they hesitate to pursue. Sometimes cues come from contextual or emotional information conveyed in words, in hesitations or in throwaway remarks, the sort of things which are not fully expressed. For example, if you're taking a call from a patient and the patient starts with, thank goodness I've been able to speak to you, then the clinician has then been giving a, a strong hint really that there is possibly more information, maybe suggesting that the patient has a level of anxiety about their situation. Sometimes cues are non-verbal. So, for example, someone who's coming in limping heavily or with a plaster cast on, that's, that's one big cue that something has happened. Thank you. I think it's often helpful to regard these things more as clues than cues. Clinicians are a bit like detectives. We have to pay attention to all the evidence a patient is telling us. And some of that's only sort of hinted at or given non-verbally, you know, like if somebody rolls their eyes when you ask about their smoking habits. So let's have a think about how educators can help clinicians to develop their skills in using cues and clues. Julian, how can this be approached from an educator's point of view? Yes, thanks, April. Often a clinician learning the consultation may need some help to actually learn what a cue or a clue is. And then once that concept's been developed, uh, they often then need support to understand, learn and practice what to do with the cues or how to respond to cues. There are various ways that an educator can support their clinician learning the consultation in this area. One good way to start is simply to watch a recording or listen to a recording of a consultation that the clinician has made and specifically set the intention of to watch, look and listen out for cues or clues. I sometimes recommend doing this with the sound off so you can just look at the non-verbal cues or the opposite, switching the video off and just listen to the audio, which is particularly relevant at the moment where a lot more of our consultations are done by telephone. There are some other techniques that can help with focusing on this area. Trigger videos that an educator can prepare with specific clues and cues in the video are really, really helpful. And also clinicians could be given a written transcript of a consultation and then asked to look at the words and tease out the clues. 
That, those yeah. all sound really useful and quite varied methods for helping people to, to spot the, the clues and cues. Could you give us an example of, a, of how a transcript might help that? What's that all about? Yeah, so I suppose you could provide the learners with a transcript that just said, I'm not sleeping since all this started. I can't eat properly because it hurts so much. I'm so exhausted with it. I'm so tired. I'm irritable with everyone. They keep saying get some painkillers, but the paracetamol didn't work at all. I can't go on. Well, there's only a few words there, but there are a large number of verbal clues and cues. And you can imagine the tone of voice that the patient might have said that in. And also there's some kind of quite desperate words like I can't go on and I'm not sleeping. So there's a lot of clues in there, aren't there? And if we notice all the hints that people give in their words and their nonverbal clues, we're going to see a lot of information from every patient. What approach can clinicians take to manage all this? Surely if they respond to every cue or clue, well, they're going to be there all day, aren't they? Yeah, that's a really important point, Avril. I think particularly our clinicians in training, they admit to sometimes ignoring the cues presented to them because it really feels like they're opening a can of worms. And I think that's a pretty natural reaction. I mean, particularly if you're feeling very time pressured or you're fearful of dealing with the emotional content that's often contained. If you're yet to develop the skills in these areas, then these can be real fears and acknowledging these worries is really important. I think what's really helpful here and what's needed is to actually think of a strategy for dealing with the cues rather than giving simple instructions to pick up cues. And there are different ways to to do this, to sort of develop and understand this incomplete information coming from the patient. So with cues, uh, we do one of three things. We either pick up on the cue. Another option is to park the cue mentally and come back to it later. Another way is to use the cue, putting it into the whole picture. I like the idea of having a strategy for cues. Could you expand uh, by saying something a bit more about picking up the cue in the first place? Yeah, in that previous example where the opening line contained the phrase, thank goodness, when the doctor had called, we might use the skill of paraphrasing, saying something like, it sounds like this issue is is of some concern to you. So this is an active listening skill. Another active listening skills which could be used here would be the skills of reflecting back to the patient, echoing what patients say, or even using a phrase like, go on, tell me more about whatever it is. It's always going to be better to follow up on a cue with a further inquiry rather than simply guessing what the patient means. I understand there's something about feeding back that you've heard it, but then trying to understand it in a bit more detail. Julian, I wondered if you would expand on what's meant by parking a clue and sort of mentally and coming back to it later. Yes, this is identifying or or picking up on a a cue. Instead of acting on it immediately, it's noted or or parked. And so it can be used maybe later on in the consultation or a later date. It's often not immediately appropriate to develop a cue and pick up on a cue. It can often interrupt the patient's flow of speech, or it may hint that it's going to take the consultation into another direction that might not be pertinent at that moment. But by parking the cue, it lets the cue rest. Sometimes the cue will then explain itself as the patient continues to talk. But if that doesn't happen, it gives an opportunity for the clinician to to develop the cue at a later time. So an example might be a patient mentions that earlier in the consultation that they really hated taking tablets. Later on, in after they've spoken for a bit more, the clinician may say, you mentioned earlier you hate taking tablets. So I wonder if a different approach may work in this situation. And so just by holding that cue and parking the cue, it could really sort of help develop the consultation. 
that makes a lot of sense and that that means you don't have to chase after every single cue the whole time which as you say could interrupt the flow quite a lot the final strategy about putting the cue in the whole picture might mean noticing lots of different things about the way somebody looks and behaves the things they say and then summing it up in a more holistic way so something like from everything i've heard and noticed today you're significantly worse than when i saw you last week which tells the patient that you've noticed a lot of different things without having to go after every single one or the clinician might say something like overall it sounds like you've got a lot of breathing problems and this has badly affected all areas of your life and again that doesn't necessarily mean picking up every clue about or they're struggling to do their shopping or they're waking up at night or whatever it is this area of work is really really important clinically because people often hint at physical or emotional symptoms that will help us to make the diagnosis and there's more information about this in the written materials that support this chapter together with some reading and follow-up information and the active listening skills are also covered in other chapters in the module TALC, Skills for Effective Information Gathering. This podcast was brought to you by NHS Professional Educators, making training available to all.